0: Hello, welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk about a little bit more Pathfinder Homebrew, but before that, Buddy, why don't you tell the audience what we do on this podcast?
1: Well, it's pretty simple. We like to talk about games, but yes, you're correct. We are going to be going a little bit deeper into uh, another one of my homebrew concoctions, because I make these... Because they're fun and awesome sometimes, but we'll see. Um, this uh, this podcast will be dedicated to the Warlord, which is a Pathfinder uh, base class that I envisioned a couple of weeks, months ago. And then I've just kind of been tinkering with it in my spare time for maybe, uh, you know, the intervening time. Uh, and I just recently finished a first draft, which I have given to... Our glorious co-host, Mango, and he is going to be giving me some of his notes, and we're going to talk a little bit about my you know, my design philosophy when coming into this, because uh, yeah, I don't know, I, uh, I'm really into the Warlord, but before we begin there, before we go any further, Mango, why don't you tell me about your week? How was your week, dude?
0: Oh, <laughs> well, my week was uh, pretty normal, played some more League of Legends, and uh, flew to a different state, so that, that's most of my week. Um, I, I i see yeah.
1: i imagine that that is uh cripped up some of your time,
0: yeah um also I've been just getting myself more and more hyped for street Fighter Five there's a beta next weekend oh really and um they yeah they released a release trailer for um Fong the last character f period a period a n period g he's a goofy looking character kinda looks like the thin man from uh xcom and he shoots poison um he wow, looks really great. neat, so I'm I'm looking forward to him. Um, and I actually I might have a ch- I might have a challenge for you, buddy. Sure. Um, I have an extra beta invite for Steam, and uh, nobody else
1: seems to want to have it. So, <laughs> so should so, I get up? Should I should I get that treat fighter five? Should I get in there?
0: Yeah, the play the beta a little bit next week, and, and we can talk a little bit about it. And I don't know if it'll be a full episode, but I think I think it'll be good to get a complete noobs view on on the. Uh, Fair enough.
1: I'll go uh I'll go balls deep, I guess. Uh sure. You know, uh speaking of Street Fighter five, just because I want to jettison all of our listeners right now, do you know anything about this like butt slap controversy I that do. I've been hearing about all week? Honestly, uh, the, the whole is, thing sounds than... so comical to me that this is actually a thing.
0: <laughs> um, it's 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 longer than just the last week. Um for those of you that do not know, um R. Micah, who is a or is a she's a professional wrestler in, in universe. She's a character in the upcoming Street Fighter V. Um, she wears a very revealing costume, which amounts to kind of like apl- assless chaps and a top with a very gratuitous boob window in it. Um, and her super art involves her slapping her ass, and then she calls in her wrestling partner, <laughs> and they uh, and they both grab the uh, the opponent and they do a, a big super slam on them. Um, and two things changed about this. Um, the, the more, uh, the titular rather one being that, um, when they go out for, when she goes for the move, she still slaps her ass, but they tilted the camera up. So it's not like as obvious as to what she's doing, but still makes the sound, in her hand still makes the motion. It just doesn't zoom in on her ass. And the other thing is, is when they're doing the, the slam down um the use, both partners used to hold the opponent's legs so that they were doing a split and now they do not, um, And uh, the controversy is that um, it is about, you know, the the perceived reasons for these changes, why they changed it. It seemed to be kind of like a nonsense change. And the leg split in particular was not particularly gratuitous and was also an homage to an existing wrestling move from a professional wrestler from Japan. The details of that I am not super clear on because I am not a follower of professional wrestling in Japan. Um, But that is is what, what the main complaint is. Um, essentially that right now the super art doesn't really like the the animation doesn't fit what's happening right like it seems kind of out of place that she slaps her ass and they don't show it right like it's just weird like that like why not go go to the extra mile and change the whole animation if you were going to do that And obviously there's also complaints (laughs) i uh
1: i well it's it's funny because i saw this thing and i was like no way no way people are that mad about it um because you know i follow a lot of i i follow a lot of controversial sides in the gaming industry on both sides of kind of this you know gender roles war fence uh or whatever and um both it it was hilarious to kind of see both sides arguing about it but nobody really seemed to have any information like it 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 was very strange that people were arguing uh on behalf of the developer but to every all of the research that I did which by the way was not all that much it was kind of a couple tertiary google searches they hadn't said anything to even trigger that right it just kind of changed out of nowhere and everyone assumed that it was uh some kind of i I don't know pandering move to get rid of this this you know gratuitous sexuality or whatever and uh I don't know. I just thought that was weird and interesting and hilarious because I kind of can't believe people got in so much of an uproar about it. Um, I I think it's more of like
0: it it was kind of like, well, why did you bother to do it if you already showed it to us? Type of deal, right? Like, what a lot of this what, what it came out of is it was on during the beta. Um, and they're in the launch trailer for her as well, like her her character reveal trailer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it suddenly changed and they didn't announce it. Um, it was only until very recently that they came out. And they, they said something along the lines of, if I remember correctly, um, uh, we don't want anybody to be uncomfortable or something oh, really? like that. I, see, yeah. I,
1: I didn't realize that they actually that was super issued, recent. Yeah. issued a statement. Uh, because that was the thing that was crazy to me was that everybody was was getting all up in arms about it with no uh it's a little bit different than uh you know it's a little bit different than in the case with uh well i mean it is re- relatively similar and I think that these two have kind of compounded and bounced off of one another the issue with the dead or alive extreme beach volleyball three not coming to the u s um yeah. and uh you know that that controversy is also kind of hilarious for me uh because i think I think people are really just kind of weaponizing stupid shit to to get in, into their uh,
0: always always does happen.
1: Like, yeah, d- yeah, just to like fit their, like little agendas or whatever. And uh, I don't know, I maybe we'll do a full super mega controversy episode where we just oh, that'll be fun. all of all of our conflicting opinions. Yeah. But uh, sorry, it just popped into my brain when you mentioned Street Fighter V. Um speaking of getting hyped for upcoming games i have been so fucking hyped for warhammer dude oh my god why did i not put this on my hype list way back in the first episode what the fuck was i thinking I I uh, until the Total War has totally got me in this mindset of just like I need to play this game, but it comes out in fucking you know five months or whatever, and I'm like, ah, oh, I just want it so bad. It's gotten to the point where I found like incredibly small YouTubers, like these guys who have dedicated their lives to like Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and they cre- created these like 45 minute long YouTube videos, exp- like explaining and expanding on the Total War Fantasy universe lore which i already had a really good handle on in general um Uh, you just read
0: all the end time stuff didn't you
1: i did for the first time i read all this time stuff what the fuck (laughs) was that listeners oh my god for those of you who don't know Warhammer Fantasy Battle, just to just to bring this down for a second, <laughs> is a war game. You know, it's like a miniatures war game, right? Where like you, you get these figures, you paint them up. Uh, it's the precursor to Warhammer uh, 40k, which at this point I believe is the more popular kind of more well known property. But Warhammer Fantasy Battle was first, um, and I, it's my preferred game. I like it a lot better because I used to RP uh, with their. Uh, their system from Fantasy Flight Games, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, 2nd Edition. Here's my shout-out. Anyway, um, Warhammer Fantasy Battle has gone through a million editions. You know, uh, Edition 5, 6, 7, 8 have been over the last 10 years or so. I want to say 2003 was Edition 5 or 6 where they really changed a lot of stuff. Um And kind of tightened in uh, on the identities of these armies, you know, and these races or whatever. And then in two, 2014, they decided that they were going to quite literally destroy the universe. <laughs> and so the, all of these questions that had been, like, nagging at lore for so long were just answered. But they were answered in, like, the stupidest possible way the end times are fucking retarded i i just i can't they're so dumb they're so dumb um i don't but, know
0: but the lizard people they, they flew into space i,
1: know. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand because that, that was probably the biggest one that was the biggest one for me the the lizard men <laughs> It turns out that these the lizard men are an Aztec army set basically where the Aztecs were set, kind of in the jungles of South america um and uh, all of their big temples and everything oh those were just spaceships all along and so they got a uh, they got in their spaceships and they took took off and they went out into space and left the planet that was getting destroyed i ah uh, i don't even I didn't even understand. Uh, but hey, Sigmar's alive. He's rebooting the universe with fucking, you know, uh, what's that dragon's name from like the endless, the, the never-ending story? That oh, was uh, when, fat
0: whatever he is, Fafnir yeah,
1: or whatever his name. Yeah, is, somebody Fafnir, compared but. somebody compared it to that, and I just couldn't get that image out of my <laughs> mind. Sigmar riding that stupid dragon, the super fluffy dragon yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So,
0: so in case, so for our listeners who don't know. <laughs> Sigmar survives the end times by hanging onto the core of the old earth as it floats through space, and then a Void Dragon rescues him. So, you know, that's, that's a thing. And now, uh, they're,
1: and now they're going about, you know, rebooting the universe. in Yeah. At, it's called the Age of Sigmar now. Uh, the the Lizardmen are not a part of it, which I think is criminal because the Lizardmen are super cool. Um Maybe yeah. they'll
0: visit again on their spaceships. The the, the only
1: the only good thing that I know, the only good thing that has come out of this is that uh Total War Warhammer seems to be ignoring every aspect of it. You've still got Grimgore Ironhide, you've still got Karl Franz, you've still got um you know High King Thorgrim, who's the uh, the the dwarf guy um, I, uh, I can't remember the name of the vampire count, but it's something, it's like, it's one of those things where, like, the Warhammer fantasy guys have some, they're really on point sometimes in their naming, right? Like, oh yes, you know, like Ulfric, the the, the white wolf god, right? Of Battle, Winter, and, and, uh, oh god, Wolves, right? That Those are, those yeah. are his domains. And, you, you know, you've got Sigmar Heldenhammer, right? And then, uh, and then you've got the vampire counts from Slovenia. Just, like, uh, no, just Slovenia. Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah they, uh, they kind of ran out of steam, I guess, when they
0: got to that point. And what are the names of the uh, of the the orc gods? It's like Mork and oh, Gork. Mork and Gork. Yeah, yeah, Mork and Gork. <laughs> no one's sure which one is which. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, anyway, um, but I think that's kind of perfect too. But um, uh, yeah. So just I've out been... of curiosity, where did you read about how did how did you read about the end times?
1: I read. Uh, I read it a couple of places. Um, there was a wiki called like the Lunark or something um, that had all of the information kind of written like it's Wikipedia. And then I read. I read the bullet points on One D Four Chan because One D Four Chan. Yes.
0: <laughs> no. I was gonna say if you haven't read, like I read most of my details on One D Four Chan. I <laughs> I, so I love One D Four Chan. It's a great way to kill time. It's a great way to just see. It's like oh, like people being mad at and people being like. Ridiculous about. Stuff. I never
1: knew. But, I never knew this term "scub." Have you? Do you know this term uh, "scub"? Uh, well, I, obviously, I,
0: you're a scub.
1: Yeah, yeah. Apparently, <laughs> I, I'm pro scub. Are you anti scub?
0: Uh, uh, probably. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, um, that's So, a now, now, so anyway, I am it? now.
1: I am now very hyped for Warhammer Total War or Total War Warhammer, whatever it's called. Um, uh, and I also started a new playthrough of Mass Effect because I haven't done that on Origin and. My girlfriend is is playing it, so now I'm jonesing to play it. And oh man, I love that game so much. It's so dated. It really feels so ridiculously dated. But ah, oh, just like the feels I get, my my nostalgia my nostalgia is going at full blast.
0: Funnily enough, I just downloaded it on Origin. I might try and play it while I'm in a Oof. different state. Away are you going to play my, are you going to
1: uh, play favorite. Mass I've also been revisiting the Mass Effect 3 multiplayer. Mm, such a perfect experience. I love it so much. What a well-designed system, even though it's kind of shitty. I
0: haven't I haven't touched it. I I've have, I've have, I, have, I own Mass Effect 3. I have never played it. Um, I'm planning on trying to do a full run of Mass Effect cuz I've wanted to do that for a long time and then I lost my saves from the first two games like 3 years ago. Oof. So I might try and well, go full run Th- This
1: sets us up for a super convenient episode in the future where I get to gush about Mass Effect for a very, very long time. Oof, so I and I get to be a curmudgeon. I, I love be, that series uh, so much. I'm <laughs> um, super anyway, excited to be a curmudgeon about it. Are you are you gonna are you gonna be are you gonna be like the Fallout Four hype killer to my to my Mass Effect uh, series?
0: <laughs> maybe. Um, I also I don't know. I am already not as hyped as you are about Mass Effect. I thought they were good games, but I don't think they're all that but that's not what this podcast is about this podcast oh my is God. about the warlord you just
1: slain me you've just slain me you thought they were good games <sighs> anyway yes you're right this podcast is about the warlord let's let's uh, let's do the warlord uh just some housekeeping for you folks at home what we're gonna do is, uh, if you look in the comments, there will be two links. Uh, the first one will be to kind of a a, uh, a time capsule version of the Warlord. It'll be the Warlord as we are discussing it today. This is the Warlord. Um, all everything will be the exact same as we go down this list. It won't be changed, I guess, unless Google Drive decides to die or something um it won't be changed between you know when we're recording this podcast now in 2015 and when all of you viewer or listeners who have you know come to listen to our super awesome podcast in the future uh have come to it we're also going to include um a second link which is going to be a link that i'm going to use to update the warlord um so you'll be able to see kind of compare and contrast where it's come from where it's gone um and uh you know, maybe we'll do a little. We'll do a little follow up uh, once once things are more settled down. Uh, anyway, I feel like we should just take this piece by piece. How do you feel? Uh,
0: yeah, uh, just one other piece of housekeeping I wanted to do. Just want to kind of lay a little bit of ground rules. Where like. The wording might not be perfect, and the names might be silly, but we're not going to talk. I'm not going to be like, buddy, your naming is stupid, and yes. you should feel bad. Um, I, yes,
1: or, I agree. My naming is stupid. There's probably better names out there. This is very, very first drafty. I bet there are even some typos in here that I haven't edited out. But yeah, uh,
0: um, I'm, I'm only going to talk about wording in so far as a raw reading of it might, um, might like confuse a player or something yeah. like that. I'm um, not going to talk about like, you know, like very like if it's clear what your intention is, I don't think I'm going to dig into that. I don't think. Well,
1: there that- there there've there actually ironically been several times where I've written something out and it is super wordy and grotesque, but I'm just sitting there like I don't know how to I don't know how to condense this down without ruining raw. You know what I mean? Because like I I never want people to RAI uh something poorly when when they read it kind of thing so uh, anyway we'll get we'll get into it uh, right we'll get into that stuff I, I, when we get into I, that stuff I, I think
0: my point there was more like a, I think one of our other friends who has looked at this document uh, pointed out that you used to term like critical strike instead of critical hit or something yeah out. that's not yeah. something I'm gonna uh, yeah, I mean, then, well, well that is well it's good for an edit right yeah, like yeah. that's not that's not great for this purposes of this discussion I think we're mostly gonna keep it to um, power level and effectiveness um, maybe a little bit about theming. Um, but I think we could we could sort of start out with that. So why don't you kind of lay out for the audience and for me, what, your grand vision for the fantasy of this character is?
1: Okay, that's that's a good place to start. I love uh, the warlord archetype, right? The warlord to me is 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 uh, you know, the master, the master uh, kind of tactician. He's the guy that looks at the uh, the the board. The map, and he wants to play it like a chessboard, right? He wants to move his allies, position his allies, you know, command them to do this thing or that thing. And this is where the warlord should be his most powerful, and this is where the warlord should be his most fun. Um, this this archetype came very blankly from fourth edition because in uh the base base game of fourth edition there were two types of kind of support slash you know leader slash healer classes the cleric which was very focused on kind of uh you know healing and auras and buffs and then the warlord who did you know auras and healing or whatever but his focus was more on these kinds of tactics right I think there's a lot of design space in Pathfinder, specifically for a martial support class. Uh, Really, you just kind you have things like cleric, who are these ninth level casters, very powerful, but all of their power comes from magic. Uh, Then you guys have you have guys like bards, who get their power from their class features, but they're obviously pretty magical. Um, They're uh, they're much more aura based, and they they obviously have their six levels of spellcasting. You know permutations and variations on those two war priest. what am I thinking? Scalds, that terrible class that I want to erase from existence. Um, Scalds is, is fantastic. <laughs> and then, of course, you have some of these kind of, like, support-ish classes. Like, classes that do support e things, but, like, are, are that's not really their main job. Paladin, Cavalier, right? Um, and so forth. Uh, so I really wanted to make, you know, like, a full martial. Yeah, I was just to say. Day, the- yeah, you.
0: Sorry, 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 yeah. sorry,
1: No, go ahead. I would
0: say the the only the only other really big support class that I could think of is, is kind of investigator, and he's even weird because he's not like a su- combat support character. He's like a like a not combat right, character. Yeah,
1: definitely, definitely, kind of in the range. So, so that's where I, so that's what I was coming from. That's what I was looking for. And the way the reason that this all clicked is because literally this is something I literally do. By the way, uh, I was lying in bed getting ready to go to sleep. And I was like, if I were to design a warlord class, how would I, you know, how would I do these mechanics appropriately, right? And I was just kind of, like, running through all these different permutations, and the one that I, I hit on, I was like, oh my god, this is genius, um, because I'm narcissistic and egotistical like that, uh, is the deeds and panache system from the swashbuckler, or, like, deeds and grit from uh, the gunslinger. Uh, this is, yeah, this is the core of the class we 're obviously going to talk a lot of bit about, uh, about it when we get down to those class features uh, for those of you following at home those are command and orders, uh, but they really fit they just fit exactly what I feel like a warlord needs to be able to do uh, with this existing design template that i don 't feel mad uh, you know i don 't feel bad about aping it right um, but before we get into the specifics of uh, i don 't know before we get into the specifics of that kind of stuff, I feel like we should just kind of start at the top. Uh, Right at the top of the document, we have all of our base stats, hit, die, starting, starting wealth, class skills, all that kind of stuff. Um, I guess I'll read it off for those listeners who, uh, you know, aren't... Uh, aren't keeping up with us on the page but uh, a warlord has a good base attack bonus plus one per level which gives him the d10 hit die he's got the highest amount of starting wealth like a lot of martial characters 175 gp uh two plus intelligence modifier skill points a good fort save a bad reflex save and a bad uh will save uh the only other thing are the list of class skills which are I mean, uh, climb, craft, diplomacy, heal, intimidate, knowledge, history, knowledge, local, knowledge, nobility, profession, sense motive, and swim. Uh, how do
0: you so feel when, about when you, these? Just, just, just to clarify, when you say good base attack bonus, you mean full?
1: Yeah, yeah, full base attack bonus.
0: Okay. Um, I mean, I don't have anything to say there. I just wanted to clarify that. Cool, 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 cool.
1: Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about these? How do you feel about these base stats? These bad boys. Um,
0: they seem about right. Um. I was going to say that the intel that the uh, skills are a little low, but it's an intelligent or a partially intelligence based class, so I actually don't think that's too much of a big deal. Um, yeah,
1: that was exactly kind of what I thought originally. Uh, so, just my design philosophy on base stats. I think that they're a great way to tune up and down power in a in a general sense because they are, uh, you know there there's a pretty big power difference between having a good will save and a bad will save I think. And so being able to uh you know give and take from those places is a great way to kind of fine tune stuff. Uh but yeah, that was one of the things originally it was 4 plus in modifier but I wanted to shave power off so I just dropped it down to 2. Uh also because I I do think that you know like a hardcore skills class like investigator uh should kind of like outplay uh almost sure that that role
0: um the other the only other thing is is I, I guess i will say something about it is i feel like this class is kind of on the cusp of a three quarters full bab class um just for comparison something like the magus or the right, right. war priest or the uh, the bard they're all three quarters um and uh but like you know the, the some of the things that you've you're taking inspiration from obviously the gunslinger and the and the um uh, and the Swashbuckler are both full BAB, um, and so that I, I feel like I feel like it maybe needs a little bit of testing. I think full I think full BAB is probably a little bit safe. It's probably pretty safe, um, but that might be something else just to consider. That's that's my only. Th- I don't have a lot of deep thoughts there.
1: Um, so the reason that I made it full BAB, uh, kind of straight up, is one of the does I, I I set a couple of rules for myself. In fact, I'll just let these go now. Uh, the first one was that. The role should be, you know, primary support but secondary tank, right? Like you shouldn't pick a warlord if you want to be a DPSer, right? Like if you want to deal right. damage, that's not that's not your job, and uh, and so to facilitate that, the most important uh, ability scores are charisma and intelligence. So you're not, you, you know, it's not it's not a class like. Uh, you know where you're going to put everything in charisma, but then you can still have a 16 intelligence, uh, 16 strength on the side, and still be putting out moderate deeps. Like you, that's that you wouldn't be able to run that warlord uh, very optimally because almost all of the class features are keyed either to intelligence or to charisma. Um, And I think that that's really important because I really want to focus – you know, like a warlord should be at his most effective when he is using commands and uh, he's using his orders uh, to direct allies kind of uh, across the battlefield. And so, you know, it was – I I thought it was important to um, – I I thought that it was important to set that in a stone for myself. Uh, Another thing that I was really thinking about with terms of – class roles was was the warlord like as off tank right like the warlord as like you know kind of martial protector of his allies not necessarily in the same kind of like hyper tank way that somebody can get a barbarian or a paladin or a fighter who's properly specced right because like those guys can really power up their you know their constitution right and then of course you have paladins who are just these gigantic soak tanks because they can you know constantly heal themselves with swift actions Uh, a warlord shouldn't be about about that strong but a warlord definitely should be on the front lines you know like with a d10 hit die uh um, soaking you know he's soaking for his allies and the d10 hit die to me is the important part the the base attack bonus coming with it is kind of you know that's 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 good and it's it's also good because not every warlord's going to be able to hit a, a, a hit a command every round and even if you don't have enough points in strength to be very very powerful it's important that you know uh you be able to hit your basic attacks kind of thing um I don't know. That was that was my philosophy. The the base attack bonus has been in there for a long time, and I I I feel good about that change. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, how do you feel about uh, how do you feel about the saves? Because for for a very long time I had Fort uh, and and will save as good saves, and then Reflex as a poor save. But I shaved that off uh, when I thought it was too powerful. Uh, um, how do you how do you feel about that?
0: So so frankly, say like the good versus bad saves is not something I think a lot about, um, in, in general, right? Like that's exactly the type of like if I wanted to be like this thing is too powerful, I want to shape some power off saves would be a very easy thing for me to go like, oh, alright, so knock off one of those. Because it's it's something that has a very mechanical effect, but it's also something that like I don't know, it, it, like, the importance or which save is a good save doesn't seem too important to me, to the character. I mean, there's obviously some okay. ones that fit better and fit worse. Yeah, fair Right, enough. like, I think if you said the only good save is Reflex, I'd be like, well, that's a little bit weird. But I don't think it's, I don't. I don't, I think it's a good balancing tool in that way, but I don't think it's ultimately the most important. Because the most important things in these classes are the flavor and the interesting mechanics, and saves are just kind of a thing
1: definitely yeah i definitely feel that um this is also kind of sort of a base step but it's not included up there uh but just to cap off this little bit warlords are proficient with all simple weapons and all melee martial weapons and they're also proficient with light medium heavy armor uh and shields excluding tower shields how do you feel uh, so about those pr- i did
0: want to say something about that um so being proficient with all melee martial weapons just seems kind of weird to me to just put that specific exception there. Um It just it just feels really weird to me. Like, I don't think anybody else has those types of weird restrictions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they really don't. <laughs> um, And I don't know if it's really necessary. Like, I think if the only thing keeping your warlord from being a bowmaster is his proficiency, I think you've probably done something wrong in the design space. I don't think the proficiency is the right way to... To kind of go to that um, for essentially for range versus melee in particular. Yeah, I definitely um, feel that. Also, like it, it also kind of leaves some very weird questions, like if I'm proficient with a dagger, um, can I throw it? Type of deal. Um, I think ultimately it's a little bit more conf- like confusing and and crunchy than is necessary. I don't necessarily think it's like the worst thing to do on Facebook. I just, I just don't think the distinction is necessary in order to to kind of get what you're going for
1: fair enough uh yeah that's definitely a thought that I had and you're you're absolutely right the reason I put it in there was uh I wanted to I was just thinking about it and I was like man you know like I really don't want there to be a warlord who sits in the who sits in the back plinking with arrows kind of thing right like a warlord should be up there uh uh Kind of commanding from from the front lines of battle, right, and I felt like uh, I felt like that proficiency change was a neat way to kind of accentuate it uh yeah it's definitely true there's no other class that has this kind of thing, and uh i don't know, I just kind of put it in there because I thought it was I kind of put it in there because I thought it was a neat I thought it was a neat way to kind of contextualize uh that aspect of uh, of the class, but yeah it, it, you're right, and that is a kind of confusing thing i didn 't really think about the daggers specifically
0: so so you you actually just kind of well the daggers might be simple anyway but you get my point right like something that has a range increment on it um but you you just kind of brought up a neat a neat point to me like do you not think that kind of like warlord leading from the back is not is not not like a valid fantasy to you that that seems like a thing that i could very easily imagine like someone standing in the back being like forward men type of type of sure you know.
1: sure and and I, I imagine that that is the you know like that th- this is kind of like an archetype right in my mind right yeah right? That,
0: that that's that's what i would have said too like um, that, that sounds like an archetype to me
1: yeah, it de- it definitely sounds like an archetype to me, and I definitely you know like I I see the value of that kind of fantasy, but I don't really think that you know the base warlord is built to kind of fulfill that in the same way. Uh, you know, he should have his sword and board out, and he should be in the front line. Uh, you know, doing his shit. A lot of a lot of the warlord stuff. We'll talk about this, I guess, when we get into orders and everything. But a lot of it requires being adjacent to people, uh, and so. Right. You know, if you're going to take full advantage of your orders, uh, if you're going to take full advantages of your abilities, you you do have to be – you do kind of have to be up there. But, yeah, I think yeah. That, that would make a great archetype.
0: Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense, too. And, um, again, so something else I'm going to bring up as part of my – kind of like that's a little bit weird with the melee only for martial weapons is something like – there are a lot of characters like you know like let's let's say you're your average fighter right like they're usually going to specialize in one of ranged or melee just because of the way that things work out. Right. Um and like it feels kind of weird to me that like you know a lot of people carry around a bow for like the flying enemy or like the, you know the, the once in a while thing that you need a bow for. It feels kind of weird to me that the warlord, warlord as this martially proficient class has to be like wait Wait that that fancy bow is too fancy for me. Gotta pull out my my crossbow and start like winding that up. That just, that just oh, seemed... I actually
1: kind of like that. I, I okay. think crossbows are underused, and I like the uh, you know I kind of I, I don't know I, I okay. think so that's... I,
0: I get what you're saying about crossbows are like so I understand that cro- like that that could be neat, but I don't think the place to make a stand of making crossbows underused is in the is in the we- weapon proficiencies of a warlord. class. <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Actually, I mean, this is – we'll talk about this in some other day. But I actually have a bone to pick almost with, uh, with you know, like paladins and maguses be, being able to use ranged weapons. I actually think that baseline, they should be very melee-focused classes. And I and I think that, like, the ranged fantasy that comes with them should be something that, that gets brought out in archetypes rather than, you know, like sure. – it, it seems like – I, to me, this is kind of like a, a mind-boggling design thing, just to go on a big-ass tangent. Um, because I feel like you have to design a, a character who's built around melee, like a, a class who's built to be in melee, very differently than, you know, do you design a class that's built to be in range? And by having, not you know, not just one class, but, like, multiple classes who can do either or, it seems weird uh, from like from that design See, perspective. So um, I,
0: I haven't read the Paladin in a long time, but I, I am fairly close to the Megas because some of my players play, and one of them is playing... A ranged Magus. Um, um, I think there's there's two archetypes for that now, one of which I don't think is great, which is the Myrmidark, which attempts to be a, a ranged and a melee Magus. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I know I, the Myrmidark. Yeah, I don't think the Myrmidark's great. Um, and then there's the... Uh, um, what's the other one? Uh, the, uh, this, it came out in one of the Splat books recently. I can't remember. Uh, Eldritch Archer, I think. Oh, I did um, see that. Yes, I did see um, that archetype. And that, that's actually a really good, I think, ranged... Um, focus, focused one, but I don't. I also think that the paladin, if I remember correctly, is pretty cut and dry melee by its mechanics. And, and again, I, I don't know if like the proficiencies are the place to be making that distinction. I think that should really be coming out in the mechanics. And I don't really think the restriction on the on the martial weapons are the restriction definitely. On, de- on de- the yeah, I'm just necessary. I'm just speaking
1: kind of hypothetically. Okay, right, fair like, enough. In, in, a, in a hypothetical world. Uh, I feel like we're making lots of changes to lots of classes. I could see myself make some changes to something like Paladin to make him much more melee focused. Um, but anyway, that's kind of off topic. So sure. uh, I guess to get back on topic, all right. So here are here is the big big uh, core feature of the Warlord. We've kind of been dancing around it, but. Um, Command and orders. Uh, now, if you know anything about the Gunslinger or the, the Swashbuckler, this will sound pretty similar. Uh, command is a lot like a Gunslinger's grit pool. What it is, is it's equal to the Warlord's intelligence modifier, um, and it doesn't increase like per level or anything. It, the maximum value of that pool only increases as his intelligence modifier, modifier increases, and command points are used in order to um, kind of fund... Orders for the warlord. An order is uh, like a deed um, that a, that a swashbuckler or a gunslinger would use. It's it's a special kind of you know it's it's better than a basic attack, right? But for the warlord, an order is something that he gives to his allies, right? So he points to an ally and he says, "You you get this temporary bonus kind of thing um, that should be a big, powerful, splashy bonus, but it's very fleeting." Uh, and that is the this is the kind of core uh core backbone of the of the warlord the interesting thing about stuff like grit and uh panache as opposed to things like amongst key pool or the martial flexibility pool that comes from a brawler is that you can refund your uh your grit panache or in this case command by doing certain things right for the warlord it's coordinating really well with his allies uh, using a specific order that we'll talk about in a second but um, the the idea that the pool is something replenishable I think is really important to me because a shallow pool that gets replenished often as you are coordinating well with your allies kind of thing is the ideal design space I feel like for a warlord being able to issue his orders because I think orders uh, you know, a perfect warlord should be able to issue an order every turn and refund that command back into his pool by being exceptionally good, right? And that is the entirety of his gameplay. And uh, obviously that'll never happen, or that it's, it's, it's kind of rarer that that'll happen, um, just because things get in the way of that kind of perfect replenishment rate. Uh, but I, I, it's one of those things where I didn't really want a warlord ever to, quote-unquote, run out of command for a day. That just kind of seems really weird to me in the context of, uh, you know, a monk running out of ki or a brawler, obviously, running out of martial flexibility. Um, rather than talking about these specific uh, orders kind of coming down the pike, how do you feel about the this, this skeleton for, uh, you know, command and orders in general.
0: I think the skeleton's fairly solid. Um, I think you might... Um, we'll, we'll talk about it, I think, when we do... I think we are going to get into the individual orders, right? We, we are? At, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I think I'll talk to some of my concerns about... Um, the refund mechanic? Yeah, because... Just, like, <laughs> be as, like, like... As, I, as I glance at it, it appears that I only see one with, with the refund mechanic on it. Yes. Um, And so, and I, I, I have... We'll talk about that when we get to it, um, sure. but I think that you like. I think the idea is pretty solid. Um, the only other thing that I would say is kind of like a high, you know, hundred hundred foot view is. Um, um this is gonna sound, this is a language issue, so you might not be happy. But um, is this intended to only apply, like are are you are you supposed to only be able to order? Allies other than yourself, or can you order yourself as well?
1: Oh, sorry, I I I did not realize that was unclear. You are not you can't order. You can't give yourself orders. You can um, or cannot. C- cannot. Uh, it okay. should. I I feel like it should be very important that, especially I you know, if I were to adopt this for a game, right? And I threw you, and you guys didn't have a warlord into your party, but you got thrown into a fight, and you were watching an enemy warlord, you know, throwing out issuing stuff. You should know uh, that the warlord himself is fairly you know, weak and targetable, right? All of the flexibility, all of the power that he gives to his allies, he can't give it back to himself, right? He can't benefit, uh, you know, we'll explain what these are later in the line. Uh, he can't benefit from his presences. He can't benefit from, you know, kind of his buffing orders unless it specifically says so. Uh, and that, you know, that that's important to me, that the warlord himself be uh, relatively... Uh, you know, you can focus fire him down and he can't just tank himself up ridiculously by issuing orders to himself. That's, yeah, I'm not a fan of okay. that. Okay,
0: Yeah, no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, But the wording you used did not necessarily say, it says like allies and technically you are your own ally. That's like a well-explored thing in the space. So just for clarity's sake, you might want to put a line in saying allies other than yourself. Well, um, technically,
1: actually, there is a line that says most orders grant the target ally, not including himself, a momentary benefit or or bonus or effect. But
0: um, this but the the ordering of the individual orders say an ally, and that
1: ah, I see what you're saying. Oh, oh, this makes sense. I completely understand. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, yeah that makes that, sense. That's, okay. that,
0: that is just how I have seen these arguments before, and you know, like yeah. I uh, you know, don't want people, you know. If this were to theoretically be published by Paizo, I can see the threads that are forming already type of deal with with the current wording. That, that's all cool. that, that I have there.
1: Okay, well, I guess let's get into the specifics of the orders. The first three orders... So orders uh, just... For those not keeping up with the document, orders will unlock three. um, You get three orders at level one, three orders at level three, and then three orders every four levels after that, right? Uh, When you unlock these orders, you unlock all of them in a group. Uh, You can use any of them at any time um so for instance at level one you unlock your three at level three you unlock another three so then you would have cumulatively six different orders that you can give at any uh at any individual time uh then at not or then at what is it seven uh seven eleven fifteen and nineteen you get an additional three orders um as as kind of like for when i when I was approaching this from a design standpoint the way i, I thought about it was a warlord should get his easiest but most applica- like applicable orders uh early on in his development right so the ones that are just general all-purpose orders come fairly early and then as you level up you start getting more and more uh kind of specific where you know either triggering actions are more specific or the conditions that an ally or the battlefield has to be in in order to fulfill the conditions of this order um are more specific but they're like proportionally more powerful um just as a general you know just as a general thing did you get that feeling when uh when you were reading through them level by level
0: uh i'm i'm sorry what what particular feel i'm not sure i'm following you
1: so okay so the thing that i was trying to go for was uh you know how like this is something that's always bothered me a little bit about wizards the best wizard spells seem very crowded into the level three space sure. right like level three is where a lot of wizards get a lot of their just kind of general all-purpose spells the spe- these are spells they're gonna be using for the rest of the game right but they all come at level three i was right. thinking about kind of that design paradigm and it was important to me that a warlord kind of like uh you know th- you start it, it, you start at the top of a pyramid and then you uh or sorry you start at the bottom of a pyramid which is very very broad and you okay, get more and more specific saying. as you level right where each where each individual order is more is more powerful right the charge order you get at level 19 is more powerful than the strike order you get at level one right but the conditions to meet the charge order are much more difficult like the, the difficulty is yeah I see that, that.
0: no I, I I get that and I think cool. I think that's fair I, I think you've you've done a, a good job in, in doing that. All right. I, I, well, I think yeah, I, feel I agree with that.
1: Uh, I guess I'm happy to hear it. So the first three orders that a warlord gets are strike, rally, and the uh, poorly named. That's the target. Bear with me, guys. The, the idea behind naming these was I wanted that to be something that a, you know he could just shout it to an ally, and we get what it is. Um, strike is you spend one point of command. It's a standard action, and then as an immediate action, your ally makes uh, you know a basic attack. Um, the basic attack, if it hits, gains a damage bonus equal to the warlord's charisma modifier. Uh, rally uh, at first level, you spend one point of command as a standard action to give an adjacent ally temporary hit points equal to his hit bo- his hit die plus his charisma modifier. These temporary hit points obviously don't stack; they last for about a minute, uh, and a warlord can only use rally on targets that have less than their maximum hit points. Right? You can't. You, you can't. Uh, give it to somebody at max HP. The third one, and this is, I imagine, going to be the most controversial, is called That's the Target, and it is the Warlord's refund mechanic. Um, a Warlord can, as a standard action, mark an enemy within 30 feet uh, as like the target for, for the party. And the next single time that one of the Warlord's allies deals damage to that target... That mark is consumed, and the damage is increased uh, by an amount equal to the warlord's charisma modifier. If that attack kills the enemy, the warlord is refunded two points of command, um, and the warlord may use one point of command to use it as an immediate action rather than a standard action. Right. So, hypothetically speaking, if you're if you watch your ally and he's about to hit, you know, the killing blow on a dude, you can interrupt it place the mark your ally hits and kills it and you get back uh you know net one point of command uh if you're at zero command you can spend your standard actions marking up enemies in hopes that you know your ally downs it in the appropriate way to refund you too um i'm just gonna start off by letting you know i am not super happy with this refund mechanic i think that this is really the Missing puzzle piece to make the skeleton of Command and Orders like a missing puzzle piece. Missing gear would have been a better metaphor. uh, A a really, a really, you know, solid, well-working machine. Right. Uh, Right now, we're kind of it's a little bit off kilter because I don't know that this that the design of this order matches what it should be in theory. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Okay, I've got. I've got
0: some thoughts on, on all three of these, actually. I have some notes on all, all three of the orders. But I guess since since that's the target, it's kind of very meaty. Yeah, it's um, really the
1: it's really the big one. This is the way that I am I am really gra- I've grappled with this order for a long time. Yeah, so so the thing at that, home.
0: <laughs> the thing that immediately sticks out to me about this is that um for such a key order, given that it's the refund mechanic, it seems to go very contrary to the kind of fantasy of, you know, this is a brilliant tactician that is planning things out, right? Um, even when you're doing it on your own turn, it's kind of like within a turn, like you should hit that guy. Um, but especially with the immediate action, it's like, and the great leader who, who you know, planned every move ahead of time. And it's like, oh, the, the goblin's head is half off. You should hit him! Like right before, like <laughs> as the guy swinging the sword, right? Like just seems to run kind of like yeah, yeah. counter to that kind of fantasy. Um, and I think it's, so I think it's, it's it's an interesting, I, like, I, I think the mechanics kind of there, um, my immediate thought is, 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 is changing it into something like, uh, like an investigator or a, like an investigator study target or like a, a Slayer's mark, marked target, um, something like that, um, to kind of, you know, make that a more
1: kind of long term. Thing, but then it might be a little bit too easy to regain points. That, that that's exactly how I feel about it. Um, right now, you know, uh, the, first of all, I feel like the order needs to be weak. Right, it needs to be because you can use it for free. Um, you know, as a standard action, and it's the refund mechanic. So not only does you know not only is it order neutral, it's actually order or, or command neutral. It's actually command positive, right? So it has to be exceptionally weak in comparison to the other orders. Um, and I, I I hesitate with those two options because they're, they're you know, they're very powerful. Um, and I also, I, I think you should fail. You know, like, this should be a big skill point for a warlord, right? Whether or not he can hit his targets uh, and, and regain his command should absolutely, it shouldn't be, uh, and this is obviously my own kind of headcanon for design, right? It shouldn't be RNG, Uh, It shouldn't be something like hitting crits and stuff like that because that that is obviously counter to the same thing, right? You shouldn't regain your orders uh, as part of RNG. You need to regain them because of your skill. And I've had such a hard time making a weak, repeatable mechanic uh, that fulfills that same fantasy, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. No, I I see it. Um, Maybe the answer is something along like Both, uh, like the obviously the inspiration of Swashbuckler and Gunslinger, their refill mechanics are mostly outside of like a specific order or or rather a specific deed. They're all kind of on like like killing things or getting crits with them. And I agree with you; the crit is is probably not the um the the greatest way to do it. But um, maybe something like if if an ally kills um kills in a kills an opponent or brings an opponent to zero HP whatever the, the wording is um, while under the effect of any order um they gain you you gain a, a point back and maybe that's the target gets an extra one back or something um, or that's the target being free is already balanced at that point because um, I think it's it's also is that the target the only free command
1: it is the only it is the only free command
0: yeah that's the target just seems so it seems like like that particular order just seems so outside the kind of design space of all of the other orders. Um, they all the all the other ones seem to follow this very kind of, you know, solid and followable theme. And I think this, I think it's kind of suffered from kind of being designed to kind of fill that role rather like fill the role of the refill and like be uh, fill the role of a free ref, refilling mechanic rather than fitting in with the rest of the orders and, and le- you're right it's, it's a hard question it's, it's a hard question to answer i think
1: yeah i definitely uh i definitely know where you're coming from um i don't know i'm really ambivalent about it i feel uh part of me actually wants to bake it out entirely uh to be honest with you and bake it into its own kind of minor class feature that you also get at level one yeah i think i agree with uh, that which you know might be kind of its own uh its own thing but uh, man the warlord order gets like a million things at level one anyway uh okay cool i think we've covered that order pretty amicably uh how do you feel about rally how do you feel about strike um
0: so my immediate thing upon saying strike was that the cost of an immediate action might be a little bit too high um, really
1: interesting
0: um just because like not only like there are a lot of classes that use their swift actions and their immediate actions for things, right? Like your swashbuckler parries, your um, like your your classes that reload their weapons use it to reload their weapons. Right. Sometimes your um, what else do we got? Like there, there, there's there's a bunch of things in the, kind of this space where um, like uh, you have to spend your your swift action to activate a key fe- class feature and. Having to give that up for the next turn might not be worth the extra extra attack, especially for a class where that's a large part of their flavor, right? Like, yeah, on paper, right, the extra attack might be better numbers, but when it's the difference between like the monk activating one of his key features, um, or getting an extra attack, he's probably gonna he's probably going to want as a player to do the cool monk thing rather than hit a guy again because the warlord told him to.
1: Interesting. Actually, so I, I kind of, uh, I, you know, I didn't really think about it from that perspective. Originally, it was worded. Uh, originally, it was worded more powerfully. Actually, as a, as a, which was uh, as a free action, the ally can make an attack action. So you could also do stuff like trips and stuff, or like. Uh, um, you right. You know. You, you know what I mean. Uh, but I, I, I wanted to smooth it down to basic attack and and power up uh, immediate action because I kind of thought strike was a little bit too universally universally applicable. Uh, in fact, I actually baked out a lot of free actions into immediate actions for that reason. I thought that they were a little bit too strong. Um, and the something that I really liked was kind of almost a tension between. Using a warlord, like a warlord using an order on the appropriate ally, if that makes sense. Like uh, something, something that I was thinking about when I was when I was thinking through this. Right, a a warlord, you know, in a group is like, okay, cool. Um, I'm going to give strike to Mango, and then Mango goes, no, 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 I need my swift action next turn. Give it to somebody else, and the warlord goes, okay, cool. Right, you know, I like that communication. I like the, uh, uh, and I think that making a warlord. Uh, And his allies, obviously, cognizant about the obedient action, swift action parallel, which gets forgotten a lot, uh, is, you know, it's important to me. And I also think that at the end of the day, you know what I mean, right? Like, it's a really, that's, refusing orders should be something that an ally should, you know, that's a tactical decision that they might need to make, Um and uh, even though it kind of fosters a little bit of uh, disharmony in the party, I think that that's almost a healthy thing uh, for for the upside of, you know, making okay. sure that you're really putting your orders on the right allies. So I, I understand
0: that cost, right? Like, I, I think that, that, that that's a fair point for the cost. Something else I was going to ask you to clarify what you have is that, um, so basic attack, another wording thing, I assume you mean a single attack at your highest attack bonus or something like that.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I it was it was originally worded attack action, but I wanted I didn't know what the best way to word that was. But explicitly uh, so. not
0: a, not an attack action.
1: Right, explicitly okay. not. Is just a, you know, whatever whatever your normal like an attack of opportunity, it, it I I was thinking about making it an attack of opportunity, but obviously that gets into kind of weird combat reflexes kind of spaces, so Right. Uh. um
0: First of all, I don't think you actually stop somebody from making a trip attempt if you make an attack. I think you can substitute them freely, but that's 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 kind of a, a minutia thing. But I think for the cost of your standard action, your ally's swift action, and a and a class resource, I don't think the attack action is unwarranted. I think that well, that okay. I think that okay. that like it's it's pretty strong, but like it's it's you're, you're burning a lot too right like what's uh, let's 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 kind of maybe do a little bit of math here right like what are you doing it's like so let, let's say you're not activating like uh i think one of like the 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 tricks for like say gunslinger is you can add your your dex mod or your common I think for mysterious stranger as a swift action to your to your gun damage because that's how um that that archetype works um and uh, and you know, obviously, as the warlord, you're giving up your, um, your standard action. So you're giving up an attack. Sure, your, your but attack the warlord's action...
1: attack is going to be worth less than the greatsword fighter's attack.
0: Sure, but you're also giving up like a a class a a, a class uh, a you know a class resource. Yeah, for... you're pu-
1: you're putting command into it, definitely.
0: Yeah. Um, and so right, like while while the while the warlord's sword swing is going to be less important than the than the than the fighter's sword swing it's still going to be worth something and if the fighter has something to spend his swift action on like i, I it just it feels like that extra like, i don't know it, feel, it feels kind of weak to me
1: like if i need so i i feel like the note is if i need to power up strike a little bit that would be the place to yeah. do it yeah maybe to also make like
0: make it make it a uh, or e- uh, either make it free or or make it an attack action or... or How
1: would you feel about, uh, you know, at a certain level it becomes a free action? Like at level 10, you know? Yeah, I can Instead see that.
0: Of- yeah, that, that makes, I think, a lot of sense. Because oh. it opens up some stuff for other players. I also think um, a feat in either direction could also work. Like you could spend a feat at, like, some level to make it either an attack action or a, or a free action.
1: Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, just as I, I haven't made any warlord specific feats or archetypes or anything like that yet, but I think that would be a very good feat, you know, where, you know, a first level warlord can take it and their strike is no longer an immediate action yeah. or even a higher level warlord can take yeah, yeah. it and all of their orders as immediate actions are just free actions. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, cool. Uh, how do you feel about rally? Um,
0: honestly, it seems kind of weak to me. Um, I, I my, my thought for this is, is just like, you know, well, when, when, cause it's uh, it's a standard action. And, you know, obviously he's not supposed to be a healer, but when I compare it to a class that, you know, other classes that, like, you know, a cleric, right? He can spend a standard action to heal 1d8 plus cast level hit points, Um, and that's about the same as the warlord gets here, and then it just gets worse for the warlord because he, you know, the cleric obviously gets to scale up his, his healing power and...
1: Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, something I was actually thinking about putting in because uh, – so you're right. I, I don't want the Warlord to be a healer. Uh, a Warlord should be worse than, uh, you know, like these dedicated healing, you know, like a cleric. Sure. Or, uh, you know, super healy paladin kind of thing. Um, and, I, and I also thought it was wrong to have a Warlord refill hit points in combat. I don't like the – uh, in fourth edition, they did this with inspiring word, right? Uh, I don't like the kind of, "Hey you, walk, walk it off," and then all of a sudden, this you know, all of a sudden, this person magically gets fifteen hit points, kind of thing. But I do think that giving somebody temporary hit points is a good kind yeah, of yeah, no, round, I, like, like the shield. I definitely something agree that I with was, that. Yeah, something that I was actually thinking about, um, uh, as a way to power up this class, um, was having the. Uh, hit points be much, much more powerful, or much, there were, there would, there would be more temporary hit points coming at you, um, but the temporary hit points couldn't exceed your maximum hit die, so, like, if I'm down 10 HP and a warlord rallies me for 20, I only get 10 temp HP from it, right, uh, because I also think that something, so, the thing that fe- that makes me afraid about rally is having really, really huge bubbles on full health people. Sure, I think that that's that is the that is the worst part of the design. It's the reason that I added the phrase at the end that you can't put it on somebody at max HP. They have to have taken some damage. First of all. The the rally mechanic – or the rally, like, theming of, you know, pull yourself together it doesn't really work if the person's at full. Um, second of all, I think that it's, you know, it's a, a, an important curb on that kind of design. Uh, but that was one option I was thinking about going forward. The other option I was thinking about going forward was – um rally becoming dramatically more powerful if you're, like, below half, right? Like, if you're below half HP, instead of it being one hit die, it's two or three, right? Or it's double the charisma modifier, or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever kind of uh, uh, multiplicative thing you want to add to it to make it more powerful. How do you feel about, how how are we? Um,
0: I think that's interesting. I think you're hinting at a couple different things. I think a, a different solution to kind of this problem could also be something like, um, you know, maybe change the game to like look out or something, and change it like these hit points only last for like a round or a very short period of time. That way, it kind of emphasizes the kind of like tactical nature of it. Interesting. Um, and also, like you, you don't have to worry about these bubbles being too impactful because if you eat, you maybe eat most of the damage for one attack, but you don't have to worry about this bubble. Ha- like you know, the world that has to be in a combat just you know rallies everybody immediately. Uh, like that's his first four rounds of combat is rallying all of his allies so that they they all get the bubble on them and that's you know kind of what he does um I think I think that like maybe making it more powerful and doing something like that might move it out of this kind of like won't ever really use it type of like the only time I could see myself ever using rally as, as a character in this is if I literally had nothing better to do like all the enemies are invisible. And I need to use an action for something. Um, and frankly, like like even if I get the opportunity to aid another, I think I aid another before I before I rally them on um, an attack. Boy. Wow,
1: interesting. Okay, I feel that um, definitely. All right. So the next three orders that you get at third level are move, ambush, and get down. Uh, my my little Hearthstone Easter egg. Um, Move is you spend one command point to order an ally to move as your move action, um, or as a move action, but your move action, whatever. Uh, The ally moves a number of squares equal to the Warlord's charisma modifier as an immediate action, uh, and the movement is, you know, dictated by the player, obviously. Um, Pretty streamlined, pretty straightforward, too powerful, too weak. Uh, Yeah, so my only thought
0: on move is that you might want to cap it at the creature's base move speed oh um,
1: fair enough that is a good just because good
0: point. like you know it seems kind of weird to like you know in the most extreme place like you've got a plant creature with a move speed of five and you're
1: like move and it flies like you know <laughs> 30 feet across the battlefield <laughs> that's actually that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely there to make up for uh you know what something that I like about the warlord is how well a warlord synergizes with low move speed builds. Uh this is something that's always been a pet peeve of mine. I really hate uh that there are so few options for a character who adopts heavy armor in terms of mitigating the movement. And I like that a warlord helps them get get around that uh so to speak. Um but uh but yeah, that's pretty straightforward, I guess. Uh, then yeah. there's Amp, Or do you have uh, other thoughts? Oh, just 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 to kind of
0: continue off that, right? Like, I think that giving them a second move option is pretty powerful. Um, and I think kind of like like you know, kind of that balanced cap of both, like you know, capped at 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 uh at charisma modifier and capped at base move speed, kind of thing keeps things from getting really out of control.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's one of those things. I wanted it to be much more powerful for low move speed people than for high move speed people, um, and which is why you know, which is why it is capped at uh, you know the, the warlord's charisma modifier. Uh, but I also wanted to make sure that it wasn't a standard action. A standard action would be a little bit rough, yeah. um, In terms of in terms of power, I think. Um, and then we have ambush. Which is, uh, you know, at third level, they can spend one command point as part of an initiative check to allow all allies within thirty feet to draw a weapon with their initiative checks. Um, and then on top of that, if you're in a uh, if you're in a surprise round, the warlord can trade out his surprise round for an ally's surprise round. So an ally can functionally get a full um, a full round. Two technically more powerful than that. Two standard actions um, as part of the surprise round. How do you do? You like that? Do You not like that?
0: Uh, okay, so I think that, I think it's neat. I think I think the command point for everybody to draw their weapons is a little weak. Um, but I think I think the second I think that the the effect of of swapping out your action is super powerful. I I, I like that a lot. Um, it just seems weird to me that it's presented as a secondary effect to the can <laughs> yeah, draw your it's weapon. True.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I thought about this for a long time because originally it was just that secondary effect, but I didn't like almost the idea that like you couldn't, uh, you could only like that you could only use it in the, in the surprise round because I think I like it coming early, um, and I like it as. I like it as an effect, but I did want there to be a little bit more. I don't know. I thought. I thought to be honest, it was just too weak uh, as a standalone order. That you know, you could only use it as a surprise round, initiative action kind of thing. It was you know, action neutral kind of thing. So I added the other part as a general effect because I think drawing weapons in, in, an, initi- in an initiative role is uh, it's more powerful than it looks, right? Like it's better than it looks, um, but it's, it is still relatively weak on the whole. Um, yeah, um,
0: yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm racking my brain. I think like something like, you know, allies count as if they have moved on. Some maybe something like allies count as if they had moved on the warlord's initiative for purposes of of being flat footed. Oh, flat
1: footed. Holy mm-hmm. shit, that's a great idea.
0: That might be a little strong, but it, it seems it seems like very flavorful in that way, and a little bit more, you know, fl- a little bit more effective oh than you God, can draw that's your weapon. A
1: great. Oh man. Well, just that effect itself is so good, right? Like yeah. you can you can use ambush to negate the flat-footed penalty.
0: Um, you, geez, might put, you might want to put you might
1: you might want to put an extra condition on that <coughs> <coughs> or something. Just just because, like, to be honest, I would probably put it deeper. Uh, to me, that that to me that feels like a more pa- you know, yeah, a third level party ignoring that is very powerful, but an eleventh level party. Eh, it's kind of a wash. You know, like that feels kind of on point when it comes to eleventh level power. Uh, yeah, that's that. wow, that's really interesting. That is uh that's a good one. Um and then we have get down, which is uh a warlord may spend one p- command point as an as an immediate action. Uh whenever an adjacent ally is targeted by a ranged attack. Uh if the attack roll hits the ally, it hits the warlord instead. Um and the warlord gains A little bit of dr to mitigate that missile uh to mitigate that missile damage um iterative attacks or additional missiles right so if i you know hit you with three scorching rays the first one hits the warlord the other two hit the ally um yeah this one is actually it's funny now that i read it i actually there are a lot of changes i think i would like to make to this uh to this order this is an order that has actually uh survived every interim patch that's exactly how i wrote it initially yeah so i think
0: i think it's a really good concept i i like i really like this kind of idea of like you know no hit me you know like uh there's a mechanic for this in in 40k i think um for like grunts to dive in front of the leader of the party like it like you know like 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 get down sir or something like that i think it's called but like um i think hmm I don't know. Part of, part of me wants it to like lose the dr and uh, resolve against the warlords they see instead, or something like that. Um, but maybe that's not the right the right solution. Um.
1: So so the problem with that um is then the the warlord's charisma modifier doesn't modify the order, and sure. there are some orders yes, that obviously you know obviously ambush is one that doesn't use the charisma modifier, but because I think. Re- really you should be able to play kind of two archetypes of warlord in my mind mechanically right you have a high intelligence a presence warlord who's built around the presences that we'll get into in a minute and then you have the high charisma orders warlord um the high charisma orders warlord uh is like i feel like a lot most of the orders need to have charisma in them just Fair to enough. yeah uh kind of accentuate with that yeah uh, you have any other thoughts on it? You sounded like you did. I do kind of have a lot. Of, so, so part of me actually doesn't want. I wants to remove the adjacent function. Uh, I actually kind of think I'd like this order to be more like intercept charge, in the sense of uh, you know, if I'm a frontline warlord and my wizard in the backline, and it's within you know, if like for instance. If it was worded such that, you know, whenever an ally, uh, you know, whenever an ally within 30 feet gets targeted by this thing, as an immediate action, you may move to an adjacent square, right? And it resolves against you kind of thing. I actually like that like I like that better thematically. I think that really hits the uh, you know. I like the idea of a warlord running across the map to dive in front of this crossbow bolt kind of thing. Um, but it is obviously more powerful. I'm not um, sure uh How about something like um, if
0: whenever an ally or when, when an attack roll would hit the ally or attack roll is targeted at an ally, you may spend as a meeting action, spend a command point to move up to your charisma, charisma modif- modifier I in squares to um, have, have the attack resolved against you. If you still think that's too powerful, change it to something like a resolve against your, um, what it would be? Your, your, your touch AC uh, no, you're flat-footed. Not your I country. was thinking you're flat-footed. flat-footed. Right. Yeah, yeah, flat-footed. I, I got it backwards in my head. But flat-footed because, you know, you're you're explicitly giving up your, your dodgy part of it to get hit by it instead of relying
1: on your armor to deflect it. Yeah, jeez, god, that sounds so much better. I, I'm probably going to change it to that. Um, cool. Okay, uh, so the next set of orders that get unlocked at level 7. Uh, do you have any? Oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, 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 that's, that's, that's fine. Okay, cool. So yeah, so the orders that get unlocked at level seven. Uh, the first one is into the fray, which uh, a warlord may spend one command point as part of an initiative roll to give all uh, all allies within thirty yards temp HP equal to his hit die. Right. Uh, so it's basically a gr- you know group rally that you hit on your uh, that you hit on your initiative. It's a little bit weaker than rally. Um, this one has also been one that has that, that order has been there since I've typed out my very first order into the phrase Uh, it was yeah it actually wasn't it was it was a first level order at first which i kind of was like that's dumb and bad yeah um i think i think
0: it's it's i think it's actually pretty pretty good as kind of like a a lead-off order um yeah i actually don't i actually like that a
1: lot i i think it's actually pretty good at where it is it's- yeah, I think it's important because uh, I think around level seven is also a good time for it because it's when I like a lot of ambient damage goes around, you know. And it's at you know it's at the start and like you know yeah sure a a mook is going to miss a lot of attacks or whatever, but you know he might just hit one kind of thing. And it's it's going to block most of the damage, maybe not all of it from that attack. It's, that's really what it's there for. Uh, the, the rally should be more for triage, you know, like. Uh, yeah. But into the fray is kind of preventative. Um, and to be honest, I think that's, you know, in, in healers, uh, the, the level 7-ish is when you start kind of healing full-time. Uh, because the, there is a lot, you know, people have higher hit point pools, but also attack bonuses are really outpacing uh, AC at that point. So, uh, you know, I think we're kind of getting into the realm of attacks are just hitting. Uh, and it's, it's, it's important to kind of mitigate against that. Anyway, uh, the next order is Bring Him Down, uh, which is one command point is a standard action to grant an ally uh, a free trip, disarm, or reposition uh, maneuver. Uh, they get a bonus to the combat maneuver attempt uh, to their CMB check, equal to the Warlord's charisma modifier, and the combat maneuver doesn't uh, provoke attacks of opportunity. Um, I think it might be, like, a little bit too
0: too powerful um interesting just in kind of like giving them the bonus and the not provoke is is, he feels like a lot to me it also feels kind of like if you've got a character who's building around maneuvers that um you know like the fact that he that he misses out on like half the benefit of
1: it's kind of encourages people to not do that oh interesting i actually kind of like that because i feel like I'm I'm afraid of this order with a uh, you know a pummeling strike brawler who's very built on trip attempts right um, and I think that you know really the order is there for your fighter who has no trip feats or whatever feats kind of thing but you know it would be such a huge help to disarm the boss right now that's what I feel like the uh, that's what I feel like the order is really there for okay and so and so kind of that you know that that the, a, a dedicated person missing out on half of the benefit is kind of the point.
0: Okay, I see that. I think that's. I think that's pretty fair. Um, any particular reason
1: that it's only trip disarm and reposition? Uh, I didn't like it with bulrush uh, because specifically Bull Rush because the interact the, the, uh, trip disarm and reposition, as far as I know, don't have any interaction with. How much you exceed the c and b by, but bull rush does, so it kind of creates a weird situation where you can pump your bull rush distance higher and you know like higher than you should be able to kind of thing, and like i just I thought that interaction was bad. I didn't want to encourage that kind of interaction, okay, but what about like steel and dirty trick uh i so i I
0: also feel like that also holds true kind of for grapple because grapple's a weird thing to be like grab him. Yeah, I that guess. is
1: one hundred percent true. I, I was thinking. Actually, I was thinking about a, a grapple maneuver is like right on the cusp of making the orders list. It just kind of, ne- it didn't get it like didn't get to the finish line in time, so to speak. That um,
0: that, that feels like it might be like another archetype thing, like yeah, like the, the Vince McMahon archetype.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I feel that. Um, but
0: um, but I do. I think Steel and Dirty Trick kind of fit into this kind of well, like. Maybe maybe not
1: dirty trick because it's kind of but I think oh, steel- interesting I would say maybe not steel the thing I have against kind of steel and dirty trick is they don't feel as tactical as trip disarm and reposition sure um, I feel that um, I think it's it's easy to commit it's easy to give somebody a command to like disarm someone but to like give a give a command that's like you know if somebody has dirty trick and they're fighting dirty that kind of makes sense for their character but like how how does a paladin deal with getting told to steal by his warlord you know what i mean i don't know that just doesn't jive as well i i i get that but i feel like steals also kind of like a weirdly named
0: maneuver in the first place because steals not really like you know like thieve him and plunder him right it's more it's more like <laughs> yeah. grab that useful yeah. thing off of his belt because like you know grab the the potion of cure light wounds that way he can't use it which does seem to kind of be in the purview um although it could be used for something like you know you know grab his sack of gold and run away yeah yeah like, that's that's yeah.
1: really what i don't like about it yeah uh, the other three are very very combat focused uh yeah. obviously yeah, i think I suppose, that, that, that might um, that
0: might be another feat kind of like expanded expanded bring him down or something that adds a couple more options into that for right. uh, for a character that really wants it i i see that um i, I think yeah. your justifications are good for having it be those three um, are there any other ones that are missing there? Isn't, is like, drag or something uh, a maneuver? I, I forget what uh, the maneuvers so are. So,
1: the problem with maneuvers is I think a lot of us forget what they are because we all homebrew them in our specific games. Mark has a bunch of extra maneuvers that don't exist in the regular, uh, in the regular sense, but let me just check. Uh, I suppose I can check the SRD, uh, pretty quickly. Oh, there's Sunder. Did. Oh, Sunder, yeah. I was actually thinking about Sunder, but it also, uh, I, I think I think so. I think the
0: difference between a I think it's acceptable – it would be acceptable here because I think the difference between a sunder and a disarm is how the character would be more likely to do that, right? If you're you know like
1: the difference between interesting like yeah you
0: know, uh, the difference between a rogue and a fighter is a fighter with sunder and a rogue would disarm type of deal. Um, although well, that, that might just be kind of my my view on it.
1: Yeah. Also, obviously, overrun, uh, is not in just because I don't. Yeah, like same that.
0: type of thing. Yeah. Um, it's essentially a weird trip attempt.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I actually think thunder kind of belongs in there. I think thunder makes sense. Um,
0: yeah. There's there is a drag thing. I think that kind of
1: fits in as well. Is dra- oh, well, but it's got this... drag it's got is the, part of grapple, right?
0: No. Um, oh,
1: but does it have the same thing as bulrush? rush it's Bull rush got the same bulrush okay, issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really don't like that interaction. That's fair. Um, cool. Okay, this is uh, this is the the next order. Hold the line, which is uh, you know a warlord may spend one point as a standard action. Uh, to make a to empower an adjacent ally's armor class, both the warlord and the ally gain the warlord's charisma modifier to their AC until the beginning of the warlord's next turn, or both characters are no longer adjacent. And while Hold the Line is active, the warlord may choose to redirect any melee attacks targeting his ally to himself. First of all, I'm going to say this is my favorite order, so it's probably overpowered, but I love this order so much. Uh, how uh how do you feel um i think it's actually i don't think it's that overpowered i think it's um i think i i fear I, I guess i fear that it's overpowered because i like it so much i think it has this great flavor to it um, um i
0: so so one thing I, I i have written down here that something that i would want qualified is um when you use the redirect portion do you redirect it like when do you have to declare that this attack's being redirected before the attack roll is made, after it's rolled, before the result is revealed.
1: Oh, geez, that's a good. Uh, I hadn't actually thought about it. Um, it's probably more powerful if you say any attack. Any, hmm.
0: Like that's a I, good I, feel, I feel like the right power point would probably be you can do it per attack, but it has to be before before they're rolled.
1: Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So the the reason it's actually in there, uh, uh, the initial way this formulated in my mind was all attacks going to the ally came to the warlord. But the reason that it's it's not written like that is, um, I I would never want a warlord who's tank. You know what I mean? Like a warlord and a rogue, right? the Warlord hold the lines of the Rogue as the Rogue is doing all this DPS. And the Warlord has, you know, uh, he's taken some damage, right? He's at 40 HP, 30, you know what I mean? But he takes three or four attacks and all of a sudden he's at 15 HP, right? He doesn't want to keep taking these attacks until he goes down. Uh, right. He wants to be able to say, all right, you know, you take yours." So I, the, the pick and choose is there for that reason. Um, I think before the attack roll is made, definitely makes sense. Uh, especially if you... Um, especially like as as the, the wording kind of supports this because hypothetically uh if somebody declares an attack targeting his ally the warlord would have to redirect at that moment right when the attack is targeted um so yeah i'll uh, I, I agree with you i'll rewrite for that effect yeah but otherwise i think it's pretty good cool good i'm really glad to hear that i fucking love this order so the next order is get out of there uh it is the, uh, is the first of the 11th level set of Orders, and I feel like it's really where the, you know, the Orders start picking up their power level um, in terms of just raw power. Uh, a Warlord may spend one command point as a standard action to allow an ally to move uh, a number of squares uh, equal to the Warlord's charisma modifier. This isn't actually written, but it should be as an immediate action. This movement doesn't provoke attacks of opportunities. Um, I guess obviously, it, uh, get out of there is is strictly speaking a more powerful version of move. Uh, except it is a standard action rather than a move action. Uh, so you know, whereas with move you can use a move and a strike in the same term, you can only use get out of there uh, with kind of nothing else. Um, yeah, no, I I think I think it's it's good.
0: Um, I just give you the same caveat I gave for move, which is I might limit it to. Uh, um to to the creature's base attack, base move speed rather.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, something else I was thinking was making sure that move and get out of there cannot stack. Um, just like a little clause that says, you know, a an ally that has benefited from move cannot benefit from get out of there.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay. Also, you might, you might want to word it generally like a an ally can only get get one, gain one set of bonus movement per turn in case you ever write extra ones unless you're hoping actually no
1: now that i think about it he wouldn't be able to do it because he wouldn't be able to take a second immediate action is that is that true
0: oh yeah um yes that's true but again if you if you do ever do anything to kind of reduce those costs
1: yeah that's yeah okay i'll keep that in mind definitely because um, I actually think it's okay for a warlord to target two different people and say, you move, you get out of there, and his full round is just positioning people yeah. on the board. Oh, yeah, that, like, like that's, switching that's fine two, two allies
0: out. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah, fine. Yeah,
1: but I, but what I don't like is the idea that, okay, super slow tank, move, get out of there, and all of a sudden he's sitting in front of the boss. Yeah. Right? Um Okay, that's pretty straightforward. Eleventh uh, level, you also have Shake It Off, which is a warlord spending one command point as a standard action. Um, actually, um,
0: sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but something occurred to me as you said that, which is, um, get out of there. Obviously, in context, is is kind of like a retreat action. Um, do you want it to like do you want to enforce that? Like, because you can also see it very easily being used as like a get in there type of run past the front line and get on the caster's dick or something.
1: Uh, so, yeah, that's, just, I actually do think that that is a valid usage and it is a, a good usage for it. Okay. Um, I, I, the, the wording, the wording on the title is the wording on the, or like, the wording on the, the name of the order is the wording on the name of the order, but.
0: Okay. Um, that might be a little dangerous, um, just because, like. I don't know. That 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 feels a little. Yeah, like, I I feel a lot less comfortable with it. Like as like a you know letting somebody like sprint past the front line to go go stab the caster in the back. Well, so I think it's not a sprint
1: because it's built on you know it's limited by the warlord's charisma modifier. Right. But I think using it to uh, kind of sneak through a place that's otherwise going to be A O O city is important. Or, okay, or it's, you know it's good right okay, uh, another way that. to think about it uh, so this is something I also thought about was any any attacks of opportunity that you provoke uh you get the warlords thing to your a c but I actually thought that that would that was in turn too weak uh yeah, okay um
0: all right i I think it's okay then um okay. But yeah, sorry, go on Go on to Shake It Off.
1: Fair enough. Uh, shake It Off, uh, you know, a standard action on an ally within 30 feet to empower their saving throws. The next saving throw the ally needs to make gains a bonus equal to the Warlord's Charisma modifier. Uh, this effect ends on the first saving throw or at the beginning of the Warlord's next turn. Um, uh, if the ally is currently suffering from a condition that required a saving throw um, or a condition that a saving throw could end, they can make a new save as an immediate action. Obviously the second part of that is really the power in this uh, in this right. order but you know I thought it was important there, there's not a lot of spellcaster love in the warlord and that's kind of by design. he should be more effective with martial characters than with spellcasters um, or whatever and against martial characters rather than against spellcasters right like I don't want him to be an anti mage kind of thing. Uh, but I, this this is in there to get around those things. uh yeah um I think the only de- I
0: think I think it's a good design. Um, I think the only danger is, um, where, where you'll get caught for something that you don't intend is like status effects that don't allow you to take like swift actions. Thus, they can't actually use you to do what you think oh, it can.
1: that makes sense. Yeah. So this one should be free. I yeah. agree with you then. You're, you're correct. Uh, cause otherwise, you know, I don't know, hold person or whatever, uh, becomes pretty insurmountable.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, or like I, I only—you probably don't even need to give it an, an action type. Like they can just attempt a new saving throw. It's probably the safest way to word that. Oh uh, yeah,
1: definitely. I feel that. Um, yeah. Okay. You're but yeah, I—I I th- yeah.
0: think it's pretty good. Um, I think as a standard action and a class resource for that kind of thing, I think that's actually a pretty good, a pretty good, uh, a pretty good trade-off there. I like that.
1: Um I probably should have mentioned this before but now that I'm kind of thinking about it one of the big things with warlord to me is it was really important that he have no auras right like or specifically passive auras right, right. anytime you get a benefit from a warlord it is very powerful but also very fleeting um this isn't like uh you know like a cavalier's banner where everybody gets a plus to their saving throws right but like sometimes you'll hit it sometimes you'll miss it but like it can't, like this is a big bonus obviously like a charisma modifier for 11th level warlord easily gets into plus 6 or plus 7 territory um with kind of the right equipment or whatever well i probably not that easily but it could get into plus 6 or plus 7 um if you really worked hard at it and uh adding that to somebody's saving throw is really really strong and i think that that's that's you know that's good. That's good. Powerful design okay. uh, for getting uh, getting around, but it's also fleeting, right? If you fuck up that saving throw, you, you don't get it on any other saving throw right. down the line. Um, anyway, the next uh, the next order is brace. Uh, a warlord can uh use one command point as an immediate action whenever one of his allies is is the target of a full attack uh that ally gains DR equal to the warlord's charisma modifier for the duration of the attack um this has been another one that has survived uh since super early iterations uh i kind of feel like it's a little bit too weak though um yeah i mean i think it's pretty
0: good for a for an immediate action Right, like it's 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 you know it's not something you have to. The world that can do this while also doing a strike on his turn type of deal. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Um, my other thought would be like I don't know why it has to be a full attack. Like I mean, obviously I it's like more effective it on a full
1: t- yeah, yeah, I feel as like otherwise it would be way too weak. Sure. On a sure. Attack. Somebody gets one one instance of dr. Sure.
0: Right, like, that's kind of eh, but, like, leading the player that option in case they really need it, right? Like, you know, like, oh no, Joe's about to die because this guy's about to vital strike him. Even though it might not, you know, you know, it might not be the most effective use of my command point, still having the option to be able to do that, I think is, is still valid.
1: Huh. Okay, I feel that. That makes sense. Uh, I also think it's pretty, you know, power neutral in the grand scheme of things, right? Yeah. Like, adding, adding an... an Inefficient power usage is never gonna. Is never. Yeah, gonna, it's just uh, another option. Like it. it, it it's a next. very
0: yeah. It's very minor, but I think I think it like gives gives the warlord the kind of the power to do something when he feels like he absolutely needs to, even if it's not the greatest.
1: Yeah, definitely. That I'm I'm with you. Okay, cool. Uh, the next one is uh, stun him, which is a fifteenth level order, uh, one command point as a standard action to grant one of his allies uh, within thirty feet a stunning attack. As an immediate action, that character makes you know like makes an attack roll, um, but instead of doing damage, the target has to uh, make a fortitude save equal to 10 plus half the warlord's level plus the warlord's charisma modifier uh, or be stunned for one round
0: okay yeah that's that's just like give give a character a stunning fist as an extra attack
1: yep that is that is really what it uh, what it comes down to i think it's one of those things where at level 15 i was trying to think of uh you know, like that is a very powerful early level thing but at level 15 it almost feels like weak you know like it's not uh it's not game changing, but it definitely feels like a fair use of somebody's attack action. Uh, yeah. or, sorry, his standard action. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I think it's fine. Yeah, this is also, by the way, a direct one to one from uh uh both the Swashbuckler and the uh gunslinger get a late in the game stunning ability that kind of uses these rules. Okay. Um, so uh, in fact, the next one also is is very similar. Don't Die On Me is a warlord may spend all his remaining command as an obedient action whenever one of his allies within 30 feet is reduced to zero HP or fewer. Instead, they are brought to one hit point. Uh, obviously, you have to have uh, one point of command in order to use it, and you can't use it on anything that just insta-kills someone uh, in the sense of... Um, I'm trying to think. You know, like those spells that yeah, just like, Finger like of fortitude death or save. Yeah, fin- yeah, exactly. Finger of death, fortitude save or die kind of thing, right? Like you can't use it on that. It's only from hit point loss.
0: Yeah, um, makes sense. Or also technically from massive damage, you wouldn't save you. Um, oh yeah, that's also true. Yeah, which I think is also appropriate. Yeah, the, again, I think this is this feels like it's it's copied from another ability. I think you're. I've, it I've is
1: 100. It is a level. It is a 19th level for gunslinger and swashbuckler, and obviously it only targets themselves, but. Uh, you know, I think moving it down in level requirements uh, and and pumping it up in terms of targetability is it makes a lot of sense because that's such a supporty thing. Like a warlord really does need to be able to. Yeah, um, I think it's fine. Yeah, uh, no quarter. Uh, at fifteenth level, a warlord may spend one command point as a standard action to empower an ally's next attack. The next attack roll the character makes automatically threatens a critical hit if it hits. Uh, the if the attack is not a critical strike. The warlord gains your uh, the the ally gains the warlord's charisma bonus to his damage instead. So um, so if
0: the attack doesn't confirm it is what right. that second part means. Okay.
1: Yes. Uh, you might recognize this order as an order that I threw out. You know, we I have a chat. Obviously, we have a chat with all of our friends where uh, sometimes we talk about D and D theory. And I threw this order out as a level seven order and kind of got crucified for it being way too strong. Uh, so I bumped it back to level fifteen, where I feel like it is less of a. Uh, yeah, it still feels
0: kind of like crits are a weird place to be, right? Crits are hard to kind of. Like force, a, force. You know, like you, you get a free crate. Is always, it's always a, a hard thing to, to to kind of balance around. Um, because
1: then everybody switches out their great swords for scythes, right? And then just like only ever uses no quarter. Yeah, there was another version of this. Uh, the, actually, I nerfed it from. Uh, when it was at level seven, still, where instead of getting your bonus critical strike damage, you just got sneak attack damage, uh, kind of proportional to the warlord's level, as the as the critical damage, just to kind of flatline. Yeah. you know anybody anybody using any weapon benefits from this crit, and I do think that it's important to have kind of burst damage on uh, you know like on a warlord ability. Um, because the other thing is this one is very this one is ridiculously action inefficient because it's one of you know this is a standard action that doesn't grant your uh, your allies any immediate actions you know what I mean it is just uh, your ally you're spending your whole standard action empowering your allies next attack action
0: i think that that's actually i think you actually need to make it into a into a, a you know attack at their at their highest attack bonus cuz I think the danger for abuse here comes with, you know, like, you know, a vital strike or a dead shot or something that, that, oh, that really, interesting. that, you know, you, you, take advantage of the fact that, you know, it's going to crit to like stack up a big single hit ability. Um,
1: yeah. Part of me wants to re- reward that synergy, but uh, I definitely see what you're saying. I think that that is a, uh, uh, it's a good note uh yeah and then uh the capstone it's,
0: it's just a better strike so maybe right.
1: well it, it's well wait you're right it would be a better strike at that point Fuh. yeah hmm.
0: I, I so i don't know what the answer to this is right now um maybe yeah it, i'll have to i'll have to think yeah. about
1: it but i think you that you're right that those abuse cases do kind of suck um Anyway, the last three abilities. Uh, the first one is charge for level nineteen. Uh, it's functionally strike, but you're granting your uh, you're granting an ally a free charge attack um, as their immediate action. They have to fulfill you know they have to fulfill all of the charge requirements. Uh, but instead of the typical plus two that you get from the charge attempt, instead you get um, the warlord's charisma modifier to the, uh, to the attack, and to damage, uh...
0: Okay, so you say that, um... It's... So, in, in the text, it says in addition, um, but you also said it's instead, um... It's not a huge deal, because it's a plus two, but I do think... Oh,
1: obviously, yes, actually, sorry. I think, oh, I think instead what? Maybe of... Oh, you is, is, is instead of better? I actually think that might have been purposeful on my part. Did I, I write that?
0: I. Th- uh, it says in addition <laughs> to the plus two, the... Uh the ally uh the ally gains the bonus attack damage equal to the Warlord's Christmas of fire.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. I wonder if I wrote that intentionally or if that was a Freudian slip. Yeah. Um In my head I just read it instead of. I just didn't read the in addition to it. I'm trying to remember when I wrote this out how I felt about it. Because part of me thinks the you know, these nineteenth level uh actions really, you know, they're they capstone abilities. I kind of let the let the reins off, uh, so to speak, to make it yeah, Go, no, you know, I I think it's power wise. Uh,
0: I I think it's an appropriate, um, I think it's an appropriate power level. I just like, uh, or I th- I think it's I think it's like fine as as what it is, especially because like there is theoretically a drawback to a charge, um, with uh with with the with the minus two, and even though it is in many ways just a better strike, um,
1: yeah. Well, I think have, making it. Because you have to fulfill charge requirements, that's what makes it, uh... Yeah. Because charge charge requirements are pretty tough, especially at 19th level. That's when things get, you know, straight lines are... Are are harder to... Yeah, yeah. are harder to hit kind of thing.
0: Okay. Um... The only thing I might suggest is that the charge can only be up to, like, up to the, uh, up to the allies' move speed as opposed to being the full two lengths. Um, just because that's...
1: Fair enough. That the, makes sense. The,
0: the, the, it seems like a long distance to give them – because that's like a, a, char, a, a standard – or it, it's a strike and two moves for free. Um, it's still at this point a, a, you know, a, a, a strike and a move for a standard action. Um, yeah.
1: No, I uh, I agree. I think that's a good uh, – I think that's a good way to kind of curb power on it a little bit. Um, yeah. Anyway, the next one is a 19th level – It's called Just a Scratch. Uh, At 19th level, a warlord uh, can spend one command as an immediate action um, whenever his ally is hit by a critical hit. The ally gets a fortitude save with a bonus equal to the warlord's uh, charisma modifier, um, the save DC being the amount of normal damage before critical strike damage. Um, If the ally passes the save, they negate the crit entirely and take just the normal amount of damage.
0: Yeah, so I don't I don't think
1: that's that too is bad. worded so terribly. By the way, yeah, no, <laughs> I,
0: I get what you're going for. Um,
1: I think I think it's I think it's okay. Um, cool. Uh, and then the last one is focus fire at 90th level. They can use uh, a warlord could use one command point as a standard action to mark an enemy for the allies to defeat, and all attack rolls against the that enemy gain a bonus uh, equal to the warlord's charisma modifier, and all. Damage rolls against that enemy gain a bonus equal to, uh, or bonus to damage equal to twice the warlord's uh, charisma modifier. Uh, but the mark only lasts until the beginning of the warlord's next turn. Uh, though the warlord can refresh it as a standard action at the start of his turn.
0: Uh, also, you can only
1: have one mark at a time.
0: It seems really powerful. Like I think, I think this, is, <laughs> I think this yeah. might be overpowered. Um, Uh,
1: reading it, I I guess at the time I just went a little nuts. Reading it now, I I kind of am inclined to agree with you. Um, I definitely, I like the, uh, you know, I, I like the flavor of it, obviously, but, uh, it really feels like it would just be so easy to just wreck a boss with that. I mean, twice the Warlord's Charisma, what the hell was I thinking? It's gonna be, like, plus 16 damage at 19th level. Um...
0: And it's, yeah. like, plus 16 damage for every damage, for every attack on a full attack. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for oh, your entire man. party. Um, that
1: was, uh... That one was not well thought out.
0: And they're all gonna but. hit, because they're at plus 8 to hit. Um, yep. <laughs> um, um... Even the wizard yeah. is rolling on the deeps hard with that one. Uh... uh
1: Actually, all damage rolls against the mark enemy. Uh, So a warlord or a wizard who fires however many scorching missiles, each individual missile would grant the bonus damage. So yeah, wow. This I I feel like I'm making fun of somebody else, but this is me. This is like two weeks ago, me. All right, wrote this out. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I agree. It's it's too powerful. I I think curbing the damage one to one.
0: I feel like so this one's. I think this one needs a lot of work. Um and I think that we've run into our time enough that we're probably gonna finish this this we're gonna probably do this again that's next episode. That's definitely
1: true. I definitely I definitely need to, to think about it. My my gut instinct says remove the attack roll benefit and move damage one to one because even just every damage roll against it getting plus eight from the Warlord's charisma modifier, that's that's ridiculous. That's real. Yeah. You know, uh I, I, I think that's got power behind it, but uh yeah, I think. Uh, well, we'll save the rest of the Warlord for next week. Warlord yeah. Part Two. I think. Uh, I think we could do some.
0: <laughs> I, I think we could do some other stuff with kind of going because I've, as of reading this, have thought of some other ideas that I kind of want to sit down and do some numbers with before presenting them to you as ideas. Like at the beginning of next episode, we'll talk about some of the orders again because I think there's a lot of design space to kind of make these orders better by doing things like making them cost more than one point.
1: Yeah, that was uh, yeah. I was that was something I was also thinking a lot about, but never actually implemented. Um. Anyway, yeah, I guess we'll get into that next time. Uh. Thanks for tuning in, dear dear listeners.
0: Yeah, you can uh, watch us play tabletop games, none of which currently feature the warlord, on Twitch.tv/slash Some Derps Play Games. You can email us about why you think these orders are stupid and need to be changed entirely, um, at some derps play games at gmail.com um and you can uh listen to us every week on this podcast
1: indeed uh i guess you can follow either of us on twitter too my my twitter handle is that buddy sola uh mangos is the one true mango uh and uh yeah if you want to pay attention to any of our tweets or retweets about things that we do and talk about and think about and stuff
0: and you can also join our newly minted uh Facebook group.
1: Oh, yeah. I did make that Facebook. I made that Facebook group like three hours ago. Go me. Go me. It only took until episode, you know, nine, ten, whatever, whichever. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, dear listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, dear listeners. Until next time.